You're listening to The Bunker New York, live on Red Bull Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick. We are here uh, live in Los Angeles this week, uh, every day through Friday from 6 to 7 p.m. Pacific, which is 9 p.m. for those of you on the East Coast. And today we're here with special guest Israel Vines, who's going to, we're going to do an interview. He's going to play a DJ set for us. Um, thanks for joining us, Israel. Yeah, my pleasure. Hi, Brian. Yeah. First time back. You were on uh, when we were in Detroit. Correct. You're, yeah. you're like my pop-up guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll be your pop-up guy. <laughs> <laughs> that was Detroit last year. Yeah, the first year in yeah. Detroit. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, myself and my old friend Bill Converse. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was like right when Bill was starting to get attention. Yes. Very cool show. Yeah. Um, so what are we listening to in the background right now and why you, you picked this track? Uh, it's, uh, there's a Miles Davis composition called He Loved Him Madly, which uh, Miles wrote for Duke Ellington after he passed. Um, I chose it for two reasons. One, because it's fucking awesome. And uh, two, because it's really long. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to have to pick multiple things. But uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite records of all time. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's the story. Um, so we're here in Los Angeles. You're not native to this area, but you've been here for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nine years now. So what, what brought you here? Uh, well, my wife, Jen and I were both, uh, we were living in Detroit and within the span of a few months, we both got laid off from our jobs. Uh, I was teaching in the Detroit public schools and she got laid off from her job. I got laid off from mine. And prior to that, she had done some work with a bunch of our friends who, who uh, were in film school or doing rock videos, uh, things of that nature. And she was helping them with set design, set decoration, you know, all those things. And she really enjoyed it. And when we both ended up jobless, uh, you know, we were trying to figure out the next thing to do. And she decided that she wanted to come out here and give that whole career a go. Um, so we just uh, tossed our shit in a truck and came out. Yeah, and it's worked out really well for her. She's uh, she's a two-time Emmy winner. Oh um, wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she's gotten to work on some really cool projects. And um, yeah, that's what that's what brought us here. And how about you? You said we were you were, we were talking about this a little before the show, and you were saying it took you uh, a little, well, maybe more than a little while to acclimate to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. um, what were the the I guess the difficulties and challenges you faced when you got here I was mostly just getting a handle on uh, sort of finding my people finding my scene um, not really knowing too many people out here I was constantly just going to random parties just to see what people were up to what they were doing uh, meeting a lot of flaky people um, and just not really having a handle on what it meant to live in LA I guess and then after about three years, uh, it just it, a succession of breakthroughs with meeting cool people that kind of shared my same interest and had common friends and things like that. And after that, it uh, it got a lot better. And I'm 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 pretty happy here now. There's some things I could definitely do without. Um, traffic being the first one, <laughs> which anybody that yeah, lives here will say. Or has ever heard of the city of Los Angeles. Right. The first thing you hear is right. the traffic. Right. And it's fucking 90 degrees in October, which I'm really not into. But um, it's a cool place. There's a lot of really cool creative people out here. There's always things to do. 
Um, so I'm, I'm definitely a convert at this point. I, I do enjoy I do enjoy Los Angeles. Hi, Los Angeles. I love you. <laughs> um, and so when you started your label, Borrowed Language, that would have been when you were in Los Angeles. Obviously. Yeah, that was 2010. And actually, because uh, one of the big reasons I started the label is because I just had nothing else to do at the time. Um, and I felt like I was kind of losing touch with my connection to the music. And uh, I just it, it figured I figured it was a way to engage myself and not have to answer to anybody and not have to sell myself or shop my shit around or whatever. Um, so that became a project sort of born out of um, either necessity or boredom. I don't know which one it was, but that but that's that's basically how it happened. So and that project la it's it's now defunct, right? Um. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. For them, I mean, I never say never, but it's on semi-permanent mothballs. Yeah. And why? Why that decision to stop doing it? Well, it was a number of things. Um, one of them being that uh, running the label by myself. I mean, I had some some help in the design department and uh, things like that. But running it myself, I found that I just didn't have time to work on music as much as. Uh, I had wanted to and also I mean it's a big financial risk and when you're not doing other things to kind of support it um, it can get expensive pretty quickly and I'm not a natural born marketer or promoter or anything like that I'm not real good at uh, doing that whole thing so it was really cool while it lasted it was a great experience that I wouldn't trade for anything and uh, ultimately it opened some doors for me um, in terms of releasing on other labels and getting my name out there. So it was it was definitely a good move, but definitely something I don't feel the need to fuck with right now. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge pain in the balls. Mm -hmm. And people think that I am really good at marketing and promotion. And I think that running the record label has probably been one of the most challenging, maybe the most challenging project sure. involved in the bunker. Because it's just, at this point, vinyl sales are so low. <laughs> and people paying for downloads is pretty dismal because everybody knows you don't yeah. have to pay for it if you mm -hmm. don't want to. So it's just, it's really a lot of work and it's massively difficult and the pressing plants are a huge pain. And then yeah. there's really, there's certainly no financial or almost never a financial payoff. It's right. just like, you're just doing it because right. you're, you want to get the music out and you want to promote yourself your friends whatever exactly so it gets but it gets frustrating you gotta love it to do it absolutely yeah um so speaking of labels now you're you've been working heavily with the um eye teeth mm -hmm. folks why don't you talk about that like how that connection happened and why I mean, why you're doing that now? I guess, well, I guess you kind of answered why you're not doing the label anymore. <laughs> right, but right. how has it? How is it? How does it feel to be on the other side to be an artist? It's it's really good, and um, you know, we, we Brendan and Eric and I kind of have like a, a a handshake agreement that I'm not I'm not interested in releasing on any other labels unless it's a remix or something like that because you know they're they're professionals. They know what they're doing. Um, they never really press me on shit. I don't press them on shit. It's a, just a really easy working relationship. Um, I give them things when they're finished and uh, they get put out and it's, it's always high quality stuff. And uh, they just really know what they're doing and um, I have a lot of respect for their taste in music and the music they put out. I've, I mean, when I first started buying records, uh, some of the first records I bought were ectomorph records. 
Um, so everybody says that. <laughs> well, I mean, for, no, it's totally true. Reason, but so yeah. many people I know are just like mm-hmm. um, Resum, who played at the bunker a couple months ago. Uh, she's a resident DJ at About Blank, and then she was going to Detroit next, and she was like starstruck. She was like, "I can't believe I'm going to Detroit, and yeah. I'm going to play at Ectomarf's mm-hmm. party. That's insane." Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> intimidating for people even yeah and then you meet them both and you're like oh okay (laughs) not that scary these are really cool people (laughs) yeah um so what else should we talk about we were talking about social media earlier Mm -hmm. so you're you were saying you're you're only on facebook Mm -hmm. it's like your only social media well you have soundcloud soundcloud yeah the actual good one right and i know you've been talking about uh quitting facebook completely <laughs> since, since yeah. i got on it yeah, yeah. So, but uh like why what's what's going on with that i don't because I, I think you're I, I don't know i think your feelings on it actually resonate with a lot of people and especially musicians i mean let, let let's face it as a corporation and as an entity they fucking suck they're they're just it's just not a good company and um you know i found that while it's nice to see pictures of kittens and lunch and you know your friends on vacation and shit like that in terms of actual communication it's just sort of an echo chamber um and it uh in a lot of ways it's just a time waster and maybe you know maybe it's not on facebook maybe it's on me but in some ways it's an anxiety inducer you know you put something out there that's important to you and then you know you fucking twiddle your thumbs and wait to see who has something to say about it or whatever or you end up you know fighting with people that you don't really know and I don't know. And again, a lot of it's probably on me. Um, but at the end of the day, it's kind of, it's just this weird thing now where, you know, it, being involved in music without having some sort of social media presence is akin to, you know, partial career suicide at this point, unless it's, you've already established yourself. It's nearly impossible. Yeah. It's nearly, it's just um, because no, I think record labels publicists people of this like people in the business who are deciding which artists they want to work with oh sure like nobody i shouldn't say nobody but it's because there's certainly labels out there that don't give a fuck and will Mm -hmm. put out music by complete unknowns who don't promote themselves but it's it's just such an easier sell to work with somebody who's helping you to get their name out there well sure and i know you feel like you have to do it right right and i know for a fact that like you know if uh, a promoter's thinking about booking you or somebody mentions you that you know they'll first thing a lot of them will probably do is go on your facebook page and see how many you know followers you have or some such nonsense which you know if that's a measure of success then uh i you know whatever yeah i mean i'm i'm guilty of it as a promoter but most of my decisions are made before I look there. Sure. It's really, I use, I use that as more of a, like when output or how much can I charge the door? (laughs) No, when like when output or Coachella or some of these festivals announce their lineup and I'm like, am I, how it's for me, it's more of a gauge of, okay, how out of touch is Brian? Sure. I'm going to go check out there because I've never heard of this person ever. And then you go to their Facebook page and they have 300,000 likes. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh cool. I'm yeah way out of touch which means like that popular. they're probably fucking awful <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh you got into the six digits huh <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um well before we get into the set are there any like upcoming releases projects gigs etc that you'd like to shout out uh yeah i mean I, i've got an ep in the can for eye teeth and but i think um there are a couple other releases in the queue before that comes out but that's all mastered and 
and ready to go. And I uh, just finished up a remix um, with a friend of mine uh, who I'm not disclosed to discuss at this point, but that'll be an IT3 release as well. Um, and actually, no, I don't have any fucking gigs right now. It's weird. Last year was like gangbusters. I, I was getting gigs all over the place. And then I, I, I guess I made the mistake of playing Bergheim this summer. <laughs> like I've been booked like three times since then. So, yeah, but um, I mean, playing Bergheim is it, and that's another that I guess I would chalk that up as another benefit of being involved in it is that was yeah, that yeah. was an it label night correct mm -hmm. yeah it was and it how was. did the, how did that go it was great it was a, it was uh an incredible experience i had never been to the club before oh nice yeah a lot, of, so. a lot of people actually have that experience especially my friends artist friends in the yeah. u.s where the first time they go to that club is when they yeah. get booked to play there yeah just yeah. kind of funny so it, it was really cool and i had a good experience i and i i I really want to go back and play again uh, because just playing on a rig of that size and a room that size for the first time, it's pretty intimidating. But I felt like, you know, by the end of the set, I was like, I know this fucking room and I know what would really work in here. Yeah. I mean, um, because that was probably your first or one of your first times playing in Europe and playing in like. That was the second time playing in Europe. I played uh, the Moog Club in Barcelona the month before. Okay. Which was fucking great. That was a really good experience. But it's a much small, it's a small club. Yeah. It's a small club. It's not uh, the, the size of Bergheim or anything like that. Um, but yeah, you know, so it was a big, it was a big deal. And I'd like to go back and play again without, um, or with having gotten to know the room. Um, so hopefully that'll happen. Yeah. Here's hoping yeah. you guys are listening. <laughs> They're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not in Germany at this hour. Um, so uh, should we get into some music? You know, yeah, sure. So you're going to play a DJ set for us? I am. Yes. Any like theme to this set or just you're just playing us some tracks you're feeling right now? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've, yeah, I've been leaning more towards like UK bass and electro as of late, uh, which okay. is not a weird or new thing for me, but that's kind of where I've been. Um, so a lot of that, some tracks from friends, uh, some older stuff, some newer stuff. Yeah. Cool. Well, we've got 45 minutes for that and okay. we're going to get into the mix. Uh, you're listening to the bunker New York on Red Bull radio and we're, uh, here with Israel vines.
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio, and we're in the mix with Israel Vines. We'll be here until the top of the hour. Again, this is The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio.
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio, live from Los Angeles. Been in the mix with Israel Vines. Got about five minutes left here before we sign off. And we'll be back tomorrow at 6 p.m. Pacific time with special guest Lee Curtis, uh, Thursday with Les Mord, and Friday with M. Geddes Jangris. Uh, so tune in for all of that. Thanks for listening today. Listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio.